We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell, as always. I'm here with Jason Pat. Uh, the Bulls are 9-14 overall. They are in what is probably the toughest stretch of their year. Uh, in the lat, they've lost three of their last four games. One of those to the Knicks. One of those to the Magic. One of those to the Washington Wizards. So Bulls drop in some very winnable games. This was supposed to be the easy part on the schedule when they could maybe get back into the playoff picture. Instead, the Bulls sit here today nine and fourteen. If the season ended right now, they'd be in fifth place in the lottery. Uh, they're currently tracking to be under on their Vegas over under in terms of their win total on the season, which I think was around forty percent of their games. Uh, and they have a lot of weird injuries starting to pile up, Jason. And I think that that's really become the theme of the team over the last week. Yep. And I mean, the theme of the team of the last few years, it's just like, here we go again. We had, obviously it was what a week or two ago, Wendell went down with his quad injury after running in the Denzel Valentine practice. Uh, now we have Lowry's out two to four weeks because in that first magic game, I think it was the first magic game. Yes. Uh, on a simple drive to the basket, his shoulder went into it was Gary Clark, and he like he hurt his shoulder. Now he's out two to four weeks. It, I mean, it looked like it's such a such a, like a wh- like whatever play, an innocent play, and he's now could be out for a month. Uh, we have Otto Porter Jr. Nobody knows what's going on with his back injury. He it, it kind of flared up recently, and then they like he tried to play through it. Now they're just kind of shutting him down. He can't. He's not doing that much activity. So like he's out for God knows how long. Like we saw that happen last year with this foot injury, which. We didn't think it was going to be that bad, and it turned out he was out for four months. So like, that's not helpful. Chandler Hutchison is out for, they said, personal reasons yesterday. Billy Donovan gave a really long answer uh, about Hutchinson. They had these conversations, and they basically disagreed that he's not going to be playing. I don't want to speculate too much about any, any of that. Like, it could, be, could it be COVID-related? He did test positive earlier this season. Like, is he having reservations about playing? Is he upset about not being in the rotation? I have no idea. Like I said, I don't want to go too deep into it. So now, I mean, they're missing all these rotation guys. So we got a game like uh, last night against the Wizards where they're starting uh, they're starting 
Denzel Valentine, who also started in that second Magic game, which they did win by a lot, but they're starting Denzel Valentine. We're getting Cristiano Felicio minutes in the fourth quarter. We're getting Ryan Archidiacono guarding Bradley Beal in the fourth quarter. Just an absolutely awful basketball game against the Wizards last night. Uh, made even worse by the fact that I was uh, <laughs> I signed up for DraftKings after the Super Bowl, after I won some money on the Super Bowl, and uh, got, got a nice free referral. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think the Bulls are going to win this game against the Wizards tomorrow. And then, they, of course, they blow it and uh, lost all that referral money. But just watching the game in general, like, it was just brutal. Like, Zach had 35, but melted down down the stretch. Two of 11 in the fourth quarter. He missed that last layup. Good no call, I think, on that last play on Alex Len. The NBA confirmed that today at the last two-minute report. And there was just a lot of this goofiness. You got – I tweeted this late last night after the game. Like, it was just kind of like all the last couple years, just like bad Bulls basketball uh, just kind of coming back and just like all happening in one game, minus J- there being a big boob on the sideline and Jim Boyle. Like, <laughs> Zach Levine carrying them, but then kind of melting down down the stretch. Again, the Felicio minutes where Felicio had one play where he tried to post up. I think it was Robin Lopez and just straight up lost the ball out of bounds. You had Denzel chucking up a bunch of shots. Uh, Kobe White was awful. Kobe White was pulled two minutes into the third quarter because he got bullied by Raul Nito on a drive to the basket. I mean, Raul Nito bullying guys. Like he's, he's like six feet tall and like 150 pounds, soaking wet. Like, are you kidding me? Kobe so like, is the Billy, smallest six four guard I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, like six unbelievable. So just, just like all the and just it was just so bad. And to lose to that Wizards team, which is also, I mean, they're the second worst team in the league. They did have Beal obviously at 35. But I didn't even think Beal was that good yesterday. Like he only was one five of one of five from three. He had some bad plays down the stretch. He missed a clutch free throw. Uh, I mean, and they're like, I mean, they, Robin Lopez is committing offensive fouls all over the place. Uh, they have like Garrison Matthews chucking terrible threes. And, and Rui Hashimura was really good yesterday. But like just in general, like it was just brutal, brutal to watch. Just very reminiscent of games we've watched in the past few years with the starting front court is out. And and you're counting on Zach to, to just basically save your ass all the time. And uh, now they just have a better coach there. And like, and now with, they're going to be without Wendell and Lowry for a couple more weeks now at the very least. And we're going to be playing these bad lineups with the end of their, their I mean, are we going to see more Felicia minutes? Are they, is he going to dust off Luke Cornette? Like it's, it's pretty brutal right now. Like I said, they're nine and 14. They got some tough games coming up. The Pelicans are playing a bit better Wednesday. I think they play the Clippers Friday. They got the, the Pacers coming up again. I know the Pacers are struggling, but they're still pretty decent. So just like it is kind of uh, our guy Matt at bloggable today wrote a thing where it's like, are we back in another situation where it's like, this season is mis- miserable again now, and like it's going to be awful to watch them. Like I really hope not, because the beginning of this year, did, what did bring some positive stuff, and like they were pretty fun to watch. But now with guys injured and some of the lineups that that they have to play, like it was it was just really hard watching that Wizards game last night. And, and then I mean the, the first Magic game, like the Magic are even more shorthanded than the Bulls, and for the Bulls to give up one twenty three to that offense and lose that game was brutal. I know they won the next game by like thirty, but like. I mean, the Magic are, are terrible. Like, you should be beating the Magic. So to split that, that series, to split the Knicks one, and then to lose this Ma- this Wizards game last night, just really, really, really tough. Yeah, it seems like the entire season has fallen apart in the matter yeah. of a week. And I was honestly all already, like, somewhat expecting this just because it's hard to watch these games. And while they were, like, enjoyable and uh like finally i felt like there was a team that wasn't just totally embarrassing i did (laughs) i was always waiting for the other shoe to drop right and i thought that was going to be via trade we shouldn't be surprised that a lot of these guys are hurt like lowry seems to get hurt every year carter it's another like freak injury right denzel valentine runs into him in practice and now he's sidelined for a month at the worst possible time and 
uh, Otto Porter, the oldest 27 year old ever, just hurt <laughs> again. Like he was actually having a pretty good season. Yeah. He's been shooting 40% from three this year. He was a key reason why the bench kept saving the starters ass for the majority of the season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we shouldn't really be too surprised that like, this is how the season's played out. Like you said, it seems like it plays out this way every year. I was always just sort of waiting for them to trade the veterans, whether it's that young or Otto, for them to really collapse. The trade deadline isn't for I, I think it's like March twenty March twenty fifth. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh it's it's like pretty late in the season in terms of the percentage of games this year, I feel like. But uh yeah, this this Bulls collapse has happened very swiftly and already they're not that many games out of a playoff spot i don't have right. the i mean the east is so shitty we look at the eastern conference standings like it's awful there's the fifth place team is the pacers and they're 500 they're, they're the five seed right now so like the Cavs are, are free falling like you look at the teams ahead of them it's like the hawks are okay uh the knicks i mean we, the knicks and bulls are, i feel like it's very similar probably mostly equally matched that the knicks did just trade for derrick rose <laughs> With them for another Tom Thibodeau reunion, but yeah, I mean the Bulls, unless they like really, really fall apart, which I mean maybe they could with these injuries. If they do trade guys, maybe they do just really fall apart. But even though, like, I still think they can be in this mix for this play-in spot. Like, even if they are like bad, like because I feel like the ten seed is going to be really terrible. I think the Heat will probably come around a bit more. But like, are the Knicks going to keep it up? I don't know. Like the Cavs, like I said, the Cavs are free falling. I think the Raptors have finally picked it up again. Again, I think this fight for like the ten seed is going to be like. Like the team could be like ten to fifteen games under five hundred and possibly have a chance at that ten seed. It's so like the Bulls might still kind of be in the spot for the play-in tournament, like even if they do fall apart, which because the East just stinks. For sure, but right, like you got to think Miami is going to be better, right? Like I would Miami's think so. Also nine and fourteen right now. The Raptors were at the bottom of the standings. They for finally a while. figured now, it out. Yeah, they are starting to win a little bit more. They're six and four in their last ten. They're the eight seed right now. So. <laughs> Dude, part of me is already like back in draft mode. It's like, yeah. this looks like a good draft right now. Like I said, they'd be fifth in the lottery standings. So there definitely have been some positives to take away from this year uh, already. And I don't want to act like the season's over already. But, uh, you know, I do think it should be time to start focusing on the bigger picture in a sense. Like, uh they got to try to find a landing spot for Thad Young. I think he's had an amazing year. He can be really helpful to a playoff team. It'd be great if the Bulls could get an asset back for that. Uh, and then, you know, Lowry's the other guy I think of too. It's like he's going to be a restricted free agent. You can make a pretty easy case that the team is better without him on the floor. Uh, there's been all these rumors tying the Bulls to Lonzo Ball in the Pelicans, and uh, you can go into that a little bit more if you want to. But Lowry seems like a natural fit there just because the Pelicans have, I think, the least shooting of any team in the league. They're starting Steven Adams, Zion, uh, you know, Lonzo, and Eric Bledsoe in their starting lineup. So they could desperately use a stretch big man in the front court. In uh, you know, to me, I think that it's it's just right. It's time to start thinking about the bigger picture. And I want to see Karnaschovas actually put his imprint on this team because to this point, it's basically still a guard packs team. I mean, we're having to watch Ryan Archie Diacono, Denzel and Felicio <laughs> on the court in the fourth quarter yesterday against the wizards. Uh, what you said about this being like a microcosm of the last few years is dead on. And that hasn't been the vibe of the season up until this point. Uh, this week it just all fell apart, and that's what happens when Otto Porter's back flares up and Lowry, you know, gets hurt as he does every year. Uh, it's unfortunate because they the Bulls have been really fun to watch, and I thought this was the easiest portion of the schedule where they could like sort of make things interesting. But 
I don't know. Now, at this point, I'm already like flipping the switch. They're like, okay, Karnashovas, like do something here, buddy. Right. Like if you look at if you look at the record, like I mean, the record's bad. It's I think nine and fourteen. If you look at like their point differential, though, it's like it's not that bad. I, the, blowing out the match really helped there, but like they've been in a lot of close games. They've been mostly competitive against against really good teams. I mean, they've gotten smashed lately. Like the Lakers and Celtics beat their ass. Uh, they've they've been they've been mostly close to these games, and they've just really struggled in these late games. And, and our guy, we we always shout them out every week. Stefan No wrote something today about the Bulls struggling late in games to finish out some of these close games. Uh, and he talked about he looked through like a lot of Zach's. I don't want to be too hard on Zach. I mean, Zach does so much for this team. He's having a great year, but he has struggled late in some of these games with some of his shot selection and just not hitting clutch shots. We saw it last night. He, like I mentioned, two of eleven in the fourth. He missed that last layup where I'm not really sure what he was trying to. I mean, he's finished. He's shooting like seventy percent at the rim this year, and he misses a gimme layup. I know. I know Len contested it pretty well, but like that's a shot Zach makes. 70 to 75 percent of the time he just totally biffed it took some other really just bad shots and he missed some real like bad like he took a three in the fourth yesterday that nothing but backboard there was another mid-range shot that was you can you could tell it was not even close right off the hands and that was after he was hot all game and I feel like that happens just a decent amount where he's just like cruising all game where he looks great and then just in the fourth quarter and I mean that's been one of his bugaboos for his career and that one of the reasons why probably Zach Levine as like your number one you're just not going to be like that great because he still has issues with late in games and decision making. That was just part of the thing with that Stefan was talking about to some of the issues in their close games that they haven't been able to haven't been able to execute well enough. And we saw it again last night against the Wizards. It would just be nice to maybe diversify the offense a bit. Not always just Billy Donovan also uh, brought it up. Uh, sometimes they just go into watch Zach try to play hero mode, and that just that doesn't that doesn't work all the time. We've seen other times this season where they have had some nice ball movement. I th- I can't remember what game it was. Where they won, where they had some really nice ball movement. Laurie hit a late three. I think that was against the, yeah, that might have been against the Knicks. There, there, there was a, I think the first Knicks game they got some nice ball movement for Kobe White three. Was it Laurie hit a, Lowry hit a dagger earlier this year off some nice ball movement. So like they've done it before. That just doesn't happen enough. So like they've been mostly competitive outside of a few games against some of these good teams. But so when you're nine and fourteen and with with these injuries and with the schedule coming up, it definitely does look like where we're st- starting to stare down at a situation where that bigger picture should come in or, they, or that that should be the focus. So let's let's talk about some bigger picture stuff. As part of we I we uh, sent out on Twitter yesterday a, a call for just Twitter questions. We haven't really done this in a while to get fans asking us what, uh, stuff about the Bulls and our questions. And naturally, a lot of them are about the bigger p- picture and where the Bulls should go from here. So let's go through – let's start going through some of these questions. Na- naturally, a lot of them were about Kobe White. So I was going to start with Kobe White. We got – I know my guy at Riles, I think it's 23S, just why is Kobe White bad? We had somebody else ask, just where do they go? Like, what should the Bulls do in terms of starting him? Should they keep starting him? Should they bench him? Should somebody else also ask, should Tomas Sadoransky start? Or had somebody else ask, uh, should, Dot- should Dotson get minutes? Dotson is currently playing in the G League uh, with the Canton charge in that bubble. The Bulls did not send a team there, so he's not even with like the, the Bulls' own G League team because they're not even playing. Uh, but should they give him a shot and bring up minutes? Was that like the Archidiakono stuff? Like, no, we don't need that much anymore. Like, Sato's been pretty nice off the bench. We've seen, we've kind of seen him be the starter at point guard before, but Kobe's just been so bad. It's incredible. So, like, Ricky, why has Kobe White struggled so much? How much more leash are you willing to give him? And where do they go from here with Kobe White? 
Yeah, I think at this point, Kobe just needs to figure out one thing he's good at, and that should be shooting. I think playing off the ball instead of on the ball would be sort of the key to unlocking that. And we all knew that this was going to be one of the biggest problems in the season, right? Like going into the year, if your starting point guard's 20 years old, it's probably going to be a rough adjustment to the league. Uh, and Kobe wasn't, it was a you know pretty big shift in responsibilities for Kobe. Last year, coming off the bench pretty much the entire season, he was sort of just used as a microwave scorer. This year, trying to tap into his point guard uh, ability. And obviously he struggled and it's just brutal to watch him try to read the floor and just like miss basic reads, having no ability to change gears, I think really hampers him. Uh, his inability to get to the foul line or to put pressure on the rim. It, it's tough to watch dude. And it's been like the one area of the team where if you could give them a competent point guard, yeah. the team yep. would be like pretty good. I think, yep. but instead Kobe is playing at one of the worst levels in the entire league. If you look at the Raptor stats on 538, which is basically Raptor war, it gives you an all-in-one number to sort of capture uh, impact on the game. And Kobe was among the 12 worst players in the league the last time I checked those stats a week or so ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's been absolutely brutal, but in a lot of ways, I don't totally mind him uh, starting just because I do think it's good to have him out there on the floor. I think that, like... I don't I, mean, I don't want to totally write him off as a player because I think yeah. there are some things he does well, but the way the Bulls are trying to make him a point guard or at least like, you know, seeing if he can handle that level of responsibility, I think it's pretty clear that he is like years away from being a competent yeah. NBA floor general. Like that's not going to be in the in the cards right now, but you know, he He's still shooting decent. His shooting is falling down, but he's at 35%. Uh, obviously, he's got to be a catch-and-shoot guy. He's got to be someone who's, like, hitting transition threes, uh, who, you know, is just playing with a high three-point rate. And watching the league this whole year, I feel like the three-point rate kind of overwhelms everything else. And he's a guy with a 47% three-point rate. So, you know, he's taking a three on almost half of his possessions. You just need someone who has that quick trigger and who can get up three-point attempts. Uh, so I do think he's still valuable and I, you know, I, I wouldn't hesitate to move off of him. Certainly if, uh, you know, another team was going to value him in a trade, I would think, you know, for sure, uh, maybe he still has some value league wide because he was a top 10 pick because he's only 20 years old because he does go on these scoring outbursts. Uh, but in general, obviously it's been a gigantic disappointment for him in his second season. So where do you fall on start him versus move him to the bench? I think I'm still fine to starting him because uh, I know like I mentioned Sato, like, and I think Sato has been a really a nice bench guy. I think, and just in general, he's just, he's a solid bench player. He's smart. Uh, he can break down a defense okay. Like when you're going against lesser guys, he's a decent shooter. Uh, he's a good passer. A nice guy to run your second unit. Just be like we saw what happened with like against as a starter, and just was not good either. It, he wasn't he wasn't terrible, but he was he was also disappointing last year. You say what you want, maybe. Part of that was boiling. Maybe in the system he'd be a little bit better, and maybe you do want to try that in order to win games. Because we'll talk about this in a bit. This was another one of the questions. Like, just the playing the young core versus like the bet 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 heavy bench has been such such a uh, disparity in net rating. Uh, there was a stat I don't have it pulled up in front of me, just like showing just how just the massive differential between like the starters and the bench. I mean, and that's been obvious all year. We've and we've seen that, but I'm still kind of fine, especially now. You might as well just keep playing Kobe. Like I don't, I don't really know. Like I guess if you, if they do make a move, I guess like maybe then you move into the bench. Like if they do trade for Lonzo Ball, again, we'll talk about that in a little bit here as well. 
I would probably start Lonzo and move Kobe to the bench and have him be the sixth man and kind of let him cook in that role again. Uh, you give him some playmaking opportunities, but mostly in that off-ball role. I would probably do that. But for right now, like with the roster as it is now, I probably would play. Just keep starting Kobe. Keep bringing Sad off the bench. I, like, I wouldn't mind maybe giving Dotson a chance. Like, as uh, I, I kind of mentioned, that was from uh, who said that. I, he, he said this was from Felipe. I'm not sure how to say his last name. Thank you for the question. He just asked why no, why no Dotson. We're going nowhere he should be playing. And like part of me says, yeah, like why not give him a shot? Like I'd rather have throw Dotson out there for a few minutes than play Arch for eight. Like I think Arch played – five or six minutes, maybe more than yesterday. I don't think he recorded a single set. Again, he tried to guard that Bradley Beal. It was a failure. Arch is like best quality. I know he tries hard. Like I, I don't want to like rip him too much because he's made a nice little career for himself. But like his like best attribute at this point is doing funny, like play like uh, celebrations on the bench at this point. I think our guy, Cody Westerland pointed that out, but why, like, why not give Dotson a chance? Still ride with Kobe. Uh, and, uh, I would like possibly think I, I don't even know if about tra- like trading Kobe if you looked at doing something like that. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if his value is that high. Like he is only in the second year. He's still so young. Teams might still like think that they could. I mean, I guess he does have value because he can shoot. Like when he's playing off the ball, you just see how much more comfortable he is. It's just <sighs> on the ball, he's just not strong with the ball. His handles loose, and then the, I mean the defense too. I, I mentioned the Raul Nita thing. Kobe and Zach is probably the worst starting defensive backcourt in the NBA. Just totally. terrible. So like. It's I think that's one of the other reasons. I guess we'll, we'll use that as a way to transition to the Lonzo Ball thing. Like, should the Bulls really be going hard after Lonzo? And the Pel- we got Lonzo and the Pelicans coming to town. Uh, Anthony asked this at Mr. Anthony underscore P. Should the Bulls be all in on getting Lonzo? What, who should be the primary pieces to trade? Uh, and like, because I think the fit in general like is intriguing with Lonzo and Zach. We know they need, they could use some defensive help there. Uh, just on the perimeter. Lonzo has been playing a lot better lately. At least, at least he's shooting better. I think he's up to like 35, 36% from three after a really brutal start. We know he has his flaws in terms of he does nothing inside the inside the arc, basically. His half-court sub is not great. He's great passer still, good in transition, but like, in terms of like breaking down a defense, getting to the line, like that was Chris Dunn's problem as well. He, never, he rarely got to the line, not very good inside the arc. But if Lonzo's three-point shooting is back and it stays back on that pretty high volume and he can play defense and then just being a – just in general being a smart passer. In this Bulls system where they do play a bit more up-tempo, I feel like you could possibly leverage Lonzo's skills a bit better than they than they have to – at least to start the season. Even though he's looked a lot better lately, as I mentioned. So maybe they're still trying – they're starting to figure things out because I know Zion's been great lately as well and the Pelicans have looked better. So I guess, like, how hard should the Bulls go after Lonzo? Like, I, I, I would certainly give it a shot. Like – I, I just at this point I kind of want just want to see something different. Like we've seen, uh, especially with this core now with the injuries. Like I just kind of want something different to look at. <laughs> so part of that is I think, I think part of that goes into this equation here. So I think the Bulls should absolutely be looking at Lonzo Ball. Like I wouldn't want to give up too much for him because he's also got the RFA thing, and you're going to have to pay him as well. I honestly have no idea what his market will be like, but like uh, I would probably I think we talked about this last time recently like would you rather like pay Lowry or pay Lonzo at this point like I kind of think I would just maybe take a shot with Lonzo instead of over the two like even just like in a vacuum just because they both have some big flaws but I feel like Lonzo's fit just might be better with this team I don't know it's it is really tough just because they both have had their major issues but what are your t- takes on the Bulls possibly going after Lonzo? Yeah I've always loved Lonzo yeah. I loved him as a draft prospect and I think he's for sure been underwhelming in the league he really just doesn't put any pressure on the rim and that's totally yeah. handicapped him this year he's only taken 17 percent of his shots at the rim which <laughs> is pathetic but 
he usually hits 60% of his shots at the rim. So he is a decent finisher. Uh, he's just not wired to attack. And really, he's just like not the type of power athlete that typically attacks the rim. With that being said, though, I think like the Lowry for Lonzo trade just has to be there. You would think it would be. Uh, Lowry, is he's having the best year of his career. Uh, I thought maybe the Bulls could get another asset out of the Pelicans because the Pelicans have all of these extra picks. They have the Lakers picks in the future that are obviously going to be super late. So, you know, it's I, I, I would probably offer that and see if they would do that uh, in season, I think. Uh, the other thing you could do is try to just sign Lonzo as an RFA uh, in terms of overpaying him, like how much money would he get? I'm not totally sure how much money he would get, like probably 16, 17, 18 a year. And for his numbers, like his just raw point per game numbers, like that would seem like quite a bit of money. But the thing is that he's 23 years old and he's yeah. given you good defensive value. And I just feel like uh, a player on their second contract typically isn't super overpaid. Like we were worried Zach was going to be overpaid at 80 yeah. million, right? And he's clearly outperformed that contract without a doubt. So a player on their second contract, even if they're getting a little bit of a raise and this year he's making 11 million is the former number two overall pick in the draft. Uh, I, I just think it, it's a worthy gamble. So I totally agree with you. I was thinking the same thing about just wanting to watch new guys. When I'm watching Felicio and Archie Diacono yesterday, I'm like, let me see some new guys fail at least. Like that would be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, why, why not try to swing that trade? Like I, I could be talked into like protecting the asset of Lowry and maybe trying to eventually do a sign and trade with him signing Lonzo outright via cap space this summer. Uh, if they do have that ability, which I think they will possibly depending on uh, some of the options, but Yeah. I think Lonzo would be a good player to target. I've always liked Lonzo. I would be really intrigued by his fit next to both Zach and Kobe, and I think he can give you, uh, you know, sort of a connective tissue in the offense that the Bulls yeah. are very much missing right now. Yeah, and like he, people would not, we we could not expect like we, we say the Bulls need a point guard, they need that lead guard. Lonzo Ball is not that guy. Clearly, we talk about he can't put pressure on the rim enough. He just half court stuff. It's just not there. So that, he's not going to like totally all of a sudden fix that that Bulls problem. But like you said, the connective tissue thing. He's a smart smart player, good passer, uh, and they could use that. And if that three point shooting is real, and then you throw the defensive aspect in there, and that should just I feel like just the fit there is make makes some sense. Uh, and just in, in terms of like the Lowry thing, like I wrote, I wrote about this at Forbes after the injury uh, earlier this week. I think it was yesterday. It's like, like how much longer can you really just like bank on this Lowry Wendell front court? Like they've been hurt. They've both been hurt every year. They both missed extended time. Like I know they're still young, but it's just like, you just can't keep rolling with this when it's year after year, the same thing, same issues happening. Like I know it's all like different injuries and all that stuff, but just like, I just don't like. I just don't think you could commit to, that, especially since they haven't had much success. That was kind of the, the secondary point. Like it'd be one thing if like they've been like really good together, and just, the injuries have been unfortunate. That in that kind of situation, you'd be willing to wait a bit longer. But when it's they haven't had much success together, and two of the three years uh, since Carter came into the league, they've been absolutely the Bulls have been smoked with the, the two together on the court. Last year they basically broke even, but the offense was terrible. So the offense has been terrible with those two on the court all three seasons. So between that plus the injuries, it's just like I think you just got to look at probably shaking things up there with your front court and, ma- and making another move to help that backcourt. If, that, if that's Lonzo Ball, if that's somebody else, it just seems like that's kind of got to be. It's just got to be an option on the table there. 
Uh, it is unfortunate. I feel like we both we had high hopes for this Carter Market in front court. It just it just does not seem like it's going to really work out, which is like I said, it's unfortunate. Yeah, fully agree. Uh, I think you're seeing sort of Wendell's impact on the team, though, as he's been out because he is just like leaps and bounds better than Daniel Gafford. I know that was a conversation among some people in the fan base for the start of the season. And Wendell has, in a lot of ways, been a little underwhelming, too, in his career. There's no doubt about it. He does not get a free pass from criticism. But, man, the Bulls are just a better team with him out there, I think. Like, uh, his just the way he controls the game defensively, I still think is really underrated, even though it seems like he's been trying to, you know, slowly adjust to the new drop scheme. Uh, I, you know, his, his impact defensively still far outweighs uh, someone like Gafford or a lot of the other center minutes they're putting out there. So uh, I would still like to see Wendell get a chance with this team long-term, but to me, it's like Lowry really seems like he, appears to be the guy that would get moved. Yeah, and there were a few questions about that from our listeners uh, at Tristan Gray asked us, do you think there's a chance of trading Lowry now that he's hurt? I mean, he should be back. He'll be back, hopefully, knock on wood, like that he'll be back in the next couple of weeks and there'll still be time for the deadline. Even, I guess you could probably even trade him now. I mean, he's, it's not like it's a long-term injury. As long as it's, doesn't seem like it's that awful, like you could probably keep him in a deal right now. Um, so, I, I mean, I feel like you, they should be shopping him for sure. Uh, the sign and trade ID you brought up, I think, is also interesting. Like, it would be ideal not to lose him for nothing. Like, I guess if you did lose him for nothing, like, it is what it is. But, like, ideally, you would be able to get something for him. So, shop him now. Uh, if nothing is that great on the table. If What if the Lonzo thing doesn't happen? If you can't get, like, a late first or something, like, maybe you do look at that sign and trade. Or you do sign him, you match an offer sheet, and you look to trade him down the road. I don't know. I just, it does definitely just feel like they need to do something different with this front court. I'll use that to transition to this next question here. About, it was someone asked about Patrick Williams and with Lowry out. This is from at Kevin Gabrowski. Four, he asked, with Lowry out, the Bulls have gone with Patrick Williams at the four. They could have started that there and left Pat at the three. What can we read into this? Do you think this is them acknowledging that Patrick Williams will be their long-term four? Uh, this is kind of something we did talk about when they drafted him, that we thought that he, at least you, especially coming to the league, that you thought that he was more of a, a power forward in the NBA. The Bulls have been starting him at the three next to Wendell and Lowry when they've been healthy and just at the three in general. So what do you make of them, st- the Bulls starting Patrick Williams at the four? Do you think they'll stick with that? Do you think that's what they think they'll he'll, he will be long-term with, and they'll go with like a smaller lineup, with if, whether it's Wendell at center, whether it's somebody else with Pat at the four, and then maybe go for get try to find some better wings slash guards to bring in there next to him. Uh, Patrick Williams situation. What do you think? Yeah, well, Patrick Williams has been awesome lately. I think yeah, he has been, been good. like one of the strongest stretches of his career. You can just see the vision with him as a player, right? Yeah. I feel like he has so many potential outs to be a useful player. And some of his physicality just jumps off the screen. Like the height he gets on his jumps for mid-range shots where he's been really good as a mid-range shooter this year when he's challenging shots uh, as a shot blocker the way he gets off the floor I think is just really impressive so you can totally see the vision there I've always liked Pat closer to the basket than on the perimeter because I do think he gives you some really interesting uh, supplemental rim protection and on the perimeter I still think he has trouble and a lot of rookies do just like getting around screens and sort of holding his own on the perimeter. Like, I think... Uh, yeah, we, saw, we saw Rui blow by him multiple times yesterday. That was definitely an issue. Yeah, so I like him more as a four. Uh, 
I, I'm not sure if you really want to read too much into this, though, because I think they might just want to keep sort of the rhythm of Thad Young coming in off yep. the bench, like Thad being the first sub, uh, sort of running the offense through Thad when he gets on the floor. And I think that Billy Donovan loves Denzel Valentine for some reason. Like he said, he respected his game this week. <laughs> Denzel's getting plenty of opportunities, four for 13 yesterday from the field. So uh, in 28 minutes. Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you, you know, Pat probably long term is a, a four in my opinion, but I wouldn't read too much into it just yet. Yeah, I, I, do, I do really wonder because I, I, I guess I don't want to take much from that magic, that second magic. And the magic were awful, playing like a bunch of nobodies. And the Bulls like looked good in that game. Like Denzel had a really nice game. Zach was killer. Patrick Williams was killer with the smaller lineup. Like I, I do like the idea of it, though. Just like whoever's at center, whatever. You have Pat at the four. You have Zach at the two. If you can bring in a better point guard or something, and then you have another like athletic player at the three, or if you want to do a three-guard lineup with Kobe – Zach and whoever the uh, another point guard is, and then you have Pat at the four and Wendell at the five, or somebody else. Like I, like that could be a fun closing lineup, or whoever you bring in there, who you're draft, whoever you draft this year, maybe something like that. Like that, I mean, I, I don't mind the sign of the the sound of that, especially in this NBA with just being smaller, faster, more versatile. Like I, it certainly seems like it wouldn't be a bad way to go. For right now, it definitely is. Like who knows if that's really what they're going with? They're just missing so many guys. Uh, and you don't want to play if you don't want to play the guys like Felicio and stuff like that. And you you mentioned keeping Thad on the bench. I don't think they want to overuse Thad either. Like, I mean, theoretically, like if the Bulls are trying to win games, they'd be playing Thad Young or like really trying to win. Like they'd be playing Thad Young like thirty five to forty minutes a night. But I don't think at this point he's thirty two. You don't want to overplay him that much. So I do kind of understand where they're coming from. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess then I, I will then use that to transition then as well into the. Another question we got from our guy Mark at MK Hoops, just kind of talking about the general, the balance of the starting lineups, which we did talk about a bit more. Like, is, do you think he, he had, let me hold on, let me pull up the actual question that he had here. I had it listed here. Uh, how many more wins did the Bulls have if their starting unit wasn't just comprised of the young guys? Basically, if Sato and Otto, maybe even Thad, were starting the Bulls, avoid those early deficits, have more balanced on off numbers, and possibly a better record. I will, I'll start this and I think I said I, they probably would. The, the, the Bulls have gotten off to some brutal starts. If you look at like all their top lineups, their starting lineups with all these core guys, they're all terrible. It's awful. And then, when, but once you put like Temple or, or Thad or Sato in there, like the, the lineups start looking a lot better. And the bench has been dominant. I mentioned that like that stat that somebody tweeted the other day about just the massive gap between the starters and the bench guys. It's the starters are the, is the young core basically. And then the bench has been the vets. Uh, but I think I do kind of understand why they're doing what they're doing. And someone else also kind of tying into this question um, thinks that maybe this is the right way to, to do this. Oh, where the heck, the heck did that question go? That like maybe that Billy, this Billy's uh, this uh, strategy is the right way. This is, this is from at Tom Naker, not sure. What if AK and Mark Evans had it right? What if the right move was to keep the same approach to starters, keeping them young versus bench vets? This does a few things. More experience for youth and accelerates development. Two, stealth tank and better shot at Cade Cunningham. And then three, raise to the vet trade value. I do. I could kind of see like that kind of point there where you just you give your young guys the chance to grow together as a starting lineup. But then you have your bench guys, your vet bench guys, kind of help stabilize things. I do think maybe there would be a point, obviously with guys hurt now, it's just kind of thrown up there, where it would have made sense to maybe insert one of the vet vet guys in there whether that's Otto like instead of Pat and you bring Pat off the bench with the vets instead maybe you do that but 
in general, I do kind of understand why. Just you have the young guys grow together and then you mix the vets in. And I think Billy has done a decent job trying to find that balance because he does close games with the vets. I mean, Temple and Thad are always out there closing games, usually with like Zach and Kobe. And then usually it's either Pat or Lowry or whoever's healthy there. Sometimes it's Otto. I do understand. I do understand what Billy's trying to do and what they're trying to do here with this mixing and matching. So it is tough just because there has been such a drastic disparity there. It's, it's kind of wild. Yeah, I think to answer Mark's question that they would definitely have a few more wins. Yeah. Then, you know, people would be like, well, why are we playing Sadoransky 33 minutes right. when we should be developing yeah. Kobe White? So you could see those arguments already happen. I think, you know, what what do we hear after every season of the Garpax era? It's Paxson getting in front of a press conference and being like, well, we still don't know what we have <laughs> yeah. in Jerry and Grant. We're going to need another year to evaluate him. So yeah, I'm evaluate. just hoping that, like, because we're starting Kobe White at point guard for 72 games, apparently. <laughs> we know what we have. We, we're going to know what we have. And, of course, he's yeah. only 20 years old. And, uh, you know, you can't make too yeah. of a ruling on him. But I do think just, like, the ability to evaluate your own guys a little bit more it could be a big upgrade from the last front office to this one. Uh, and I also think, like, if you are going to maybe trade Kobe White or trade some of these young guys – it probably looks a little bit better on paper just that they're starting. Like if you look at Kobe's numbers, just his box score numbers in front of you, 15 points a game on 35% three-point shooting, like it doesn't seem too terrible. And then you look at the fact that he's already got all this starting experience at only 20 years old. Obviously, if you're you know, doing a deeper dive into the team and into his play, it's been uh, a huge sore spot uh, all season long. But yeah, I think that to me, I, I don't hate uh, I don't hate the the starting lineup. I think the one move is Sadoransky over Kobe. If you wanted to do that, if you just wanted to say, hey, Kobe, we're going to put you in a position to succeed right now and we're going to worry about de- like developing yeah. your point guard skills down the line, that would be the one move I would make, overtaking Pat out of the lineup. Because I think Pat looks like he belongs much more than Kobe does. Maybe it's because he's not playing on the ball and he's not such a high usage yeah. guy, but... Uh, yeah, Sadoransky for Kobe would probably be the one I would maybe make, but I also don't have a huge problem with Kobe starting. Yeah, same. I do want to bring up the, with the point guard thing, we, and we talked about Lonzo already, that there was a rumor out there that Lonzo, this is from Matt Moore, the Action Network, rumored that uh, that Lonzo wants to come to the Bulls, which is kind of interesting. So I just want, I totally forgot to bring that up when we were talking about Lonzo, and I wanted to make sure we got that in there, that especially now we're talking about Kobe White in the point guard spot still. They're like, supposedly Lonzo wants to come to the Bulls. According to Matt Moore of the Action Network, and he did a piece over over there just talking about the options. Uh, he also, besides Lowry, like, we didn't totally answer some of the other possible trade, like, options there for, like, if, I mean, would you trade Thad for Lonzo? Like, I don't know. I, I know he brought up Otto Porter as well, who's, you'd have to take back some more salary there. And I don't, I don't know what the, what are the Pelicans going to do with Otto? Like, we can talk about this a bit more, that we have a question about, like, the vets and what they can get for him, but... Uh, I guess let's, let's let's kind of do that right now. Looking at the vets, we're, we talked about this vet uh, young guy like disparity. If the Bulls do look at trading the vets, what they should do? What can the Bulls get back for them? What can the Bulls get back for that young? What like at Otto? Like, can they even get anything back for Otto right now? Since he's hurt, he can't. You can't rely on him. He's making twenty eight million. And then you look at a guy like Garrett Temple. Like Garrett Temple's two of his last twenty three on threes. He's regressed real hard to that mean after his hot start. And then obviously Sato as well as a possible another trade trade guy but like do you really want to trade that uh sato if like if you're starting kobe white like you think you'd want to have maybe uh, i mean if you trade lonzo that you could that would open the door to maybe trade sato instead but or get sato out here and maybe try to get an asset there but 
I mean, I think the, the main guy we're looking at is Thad Young. So, like, what can you get for Thad Young? Would you include him in a trade for Lonzo? Would you try to get a first-round pick? I always come back to, like, that Boston Celtics thing. We've mentioned this multiple times. Celtics have the massive Gordon Hayward trade exception. They have all their first-round picks, I believe, and then they have a bunch of extra second-round picks. They have some young guys who could be maybe interesting, like Nesmith they tra- they drafted this year. Uh, I think Romeo Lankford is hurt. Like, they drafted him first-round last year. They have some whatever. They have... Like they have Robert Williams there, Grant Williams. The both those guys, I think, get rotation minutes. They have some interesting young guys, plus all these draft picks, plus that trade exception to easily just that they could take that into. So, like, I guess like Thad Thad should probably get a first the way he's playing now. I would think even if it's not, it's not going to be like a lottery first, but like you should probably like be able to get a late first for Thad at this point, right? Yeah, I would think so, especially because you have control over him next year too. Yeah, like, right. Partially guaranteed deal. So that's also an option if a team wants to get rid of him. So, yeah, I would think that the contract structure makes him more valuable. His play has been awesome. And, you know, when we were talking about, like, the late game crunch time fails, the one thing I wanted to say was, like, Levine, just get the ball to Thad, and Thad will make the right decision, right? Like, when they let Thad control the game, he's been amazing. And, yeah, I think that, you know, for sure, if you could trade him, I'd trade him. He's, what, 32 years old, uh, if he's on the team next year, like he is really good, but it's like, you know, are you even going to bring him back or are you going to unguarantee the contract to create more cap space? So it's an interesting question. I think it's a no brainer to trade him. Uh, Boston seems like a natural fit because they actually have a pick they could trade. Uh, someone threw out, I think Stefan threw out there today, the Nuggets is a possible. Yep team so that would be potentially be a good one and yeah there's just a lot of teams like the kings are seventh in the playoffs right now like do the spurs need an extra big man so you could really just go down the line and there should hopefully be uh one team that'll give up their pick for him but uh you never totally know so it'll be interesting and then i i feel like Otto could really help a contender like Otto would be a godsend for a nuggets team that has zero wings whatsoever i think he'd be really good in portland too even though portland uh, has covington now and they have a little bit more help on the wing but i think he'd be good there so his big salary at 28 million a year makes finding a trade for him really difficult but i would love to see both those guys moved i think that, that would be a great start to the Karnashovas era just in terms of building your asset base up a little bit uh you know his pick of patrick williams was totally unconventional but looks like you know, it looks really good up to this point. You don't want to, you know, make any uh, sweeping assumptions after 40% of the season, not even when he's 19 years old, but it looks like a good pick to this point. So uh, yeah, I think try to get more draft picks, try to get more assets, maybe try to get a young player. Some of those guys you named on the Celtics would be really interesting. I've always loved Grant Williams. I don't think they would give him up in a trade, but uh, you know, Langford too, I think would be interesting, even though I've never been super high on him, but uh, yeah, there should be some. Uh, if you get a young piece, cool, or a late first, great. Yeah, I just I, with Otto, I just don't like. I, what is his value? But he can't play. Like, I, is a team going to give up anything for you for a guy who might not even play or who plays like every other game? Like, it's, it's just so frustrating with him because he is good. Like when he plays, he is legitimately a really good player. So just like you said, he's like the oldest twenty-seven-year-old there is. His, his back thing now is just nagging him. Who knows when he's back? Like. Just a really frustrating situation with Otto Porter Jr. I don't know. It's it's annoying. I, 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 we have mentioned the Nets as well for Thad Young. Was the Nets? Nets just added Noah Bulls legend Noah Vonley to their roster. They signed him yesterday. Uh, 
they they need badly need some some depth there. Their bench is not any good. They were playing like Reggie Perry, I think, some minutes some minutes in the front court. So we'll see if Vonley gets some minutes there. For, former Bull who was with in training camp this year. Um, got just a few questions left here. Wrap it up. We don't want to go too long. I guess kind of talking about the end of the bench and the fact that they had Noah Vonley on the team last year. Uh, this question was let me pull it up again from. The, the main gist of it was basically like, was something that we talked about uh, during the offseason where the Bulls did not have that much activity was basically about did the Bull, should the Bulls have been more active with the end of their bench. This is from at Craft Beer, uh, so, so Shy. Uh, this is, he said, so far, Bulls front office is connected on mostly the organizational changes, but my one knock so far is the decision on final roster composition, a.k.a. keeping Felicio, keeping Luke Cornett instead of a guy like Noah Vonley. Hindsight 2020, but do you think they regret this move, especially given injuries to Lowry and Wendell? Uh, I think maybe. I, the, the Noah Vonley thing was weird because um, he obviously, I think he tested positive for COVID and they basically cut him right after that because it was just like, with the timing with training camp and the season starting, which is really kind of weird. But like, I would rather have probably, I know Noah Vonley is not, not really any good and he's played with a bunch of teams. I guess he did, he was okay with the Knicks a few years ago, but like, I'd rather have Noah Vonley in the roster than either, like than Luke. Uh, what is Luke Cornett doing on this roster? That was this was one of the things we talked about coming into the season. While we while we weren't that like upset with them like not making any big moves, why were some of these like bums on the end of their bench? Why is Luke Cornett here? Why is Felicio there? I understand Felicio because he's got whatever seven eight million dollar contract. Maybe use that in a trade for somehow so whatever with them. But like, why is Luke Cornett on this roster? Why like why haven't they maybe tried to cycle through and? Bring up, bring in another young guy or something. Like, I'm, I'd have to look and see who's actually out there. Like, I mean, but there's always guys you can take a chance on and give minutes to. But again, with the end of this roster with Cornette, with Arch, with Hutches, like we don't know what's going on with Hutch now. There's just, there's a lot of dead weight at the back end of this roster. And when you're a rebuilding team like this, that now with with these injuries again, like it'd be nice to see guys that maybe maybe diamond in the rough type guys that could have a future on your team, but. We got just dead weight on the end of the roster. Like, so I think that is something that was a critique going into the season, and it's kind of bearing out. Yeah, dude, I can't wait till we can get some new guys on the end of the roster. And it's so <laughs> weird. It's almost like there was something coming down from ownership that told kind of show us, like, yeah, not to do anything with this roster because, yeah. Yeah, like, give get rid of Archie Diakono. Like, how do you not have a more interesting developmental guard in there besides for Archie <laughs> Diakono, who, like, uh, he's – I'm sure he's like a good culture guy and he's low maintenance and you can put him in there and he's not going to mess up too badly when he has to play in a pinch. But uh, like those roster spots just need to be going to players with higher ceilings and like any sort of potential upside. And uh, you know, we mentioned Dotson a little bit earlier. I would love to see Dotson playing already. I would love to see him have one of those bench spots. Maybe that will happen. I don't know uh, if this season continues to slip further and further away, but given what Kobe has produced so far, like it's almost impossible for Dotson to be worse than uh, what our starting point guard has been thus far. So yeah, I, uh, that's kind of just what I have on that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it was something we talked about for a while before the year, and it's kind of bearing it right now. It's kind of annoying. Um, let's. Oh, we had a question from uh, our, let's add Adam or Adam House. I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. Uh, how's it? How's it too? Uh, we know he loves Derrick Rose, so we asked the question: Should the with the Knicks trading for Derrick Rose, <laughs> should the Bulls have made a play from this? Was a, also a conversation on Bloggable since. I mean, it costs the piss or the what the next Dennis Smith Jr. and a second round pick. Like with the Bulls' issues at point guard, should the Bulls have tried to bring in Derrick Rose back for a reunion? 
I'm just going to say no. Just move on. That's the best thing you could do, right? And uh, I guess it'll be cool to see Rogue with Tibbs, but yeah, I don't I don't think they should have yeah, brought him he back. He said, should I, should I finally just let that dream wither and die? And I would guess yes. Like, it just does, does not feel like there's really any reason. And he's, especially on this rebuilding team, like, I don't, I don't, I think the Rose thing would, that ship has probably sailed. Like, I, I think he probably could help. He's still decent. I know this year has been kind of a mess for him in the Pistons, but like, Try something else at point guard. I don't think really Derrick Rose is the answer. Like if you're, I mean, if you, I, th- I don't even understand, really understand why the Knicks did it. Besides, he was Tom Thibodeau's there. Well, yeah, like, they, like they didn't give anything up. So yeah, yeah, it was yeah, basically free. Like yeah, hope that it won't like take minutes from Emmanuel quickly. Uh, right. Maybe he's just like taking like Austin Rivers minutes. I know he's might be in the trade block. Maybe they trade out for Peyton's minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like whatever it's just kind of a weird trade i thought maybe a, an, an actual contender but the knicks are going to go for that playoff spot and try to get uh under yeah. t- tom Thibodeau. We, uh, we knew that was going to happen i still think maybe maybe bulls knicks plan is still alive uh we'll see but uh yeah yeah so i definitely to answer that to answer that question i think probably the Derek gross thing is probably not going to happen maybe late like later later in his career but like I don't know if AK is like really into any of that. I mean, he's not doesn't really have any attachment there. So I, I, I would be hard to see that So like the Eastern Conference standings right now are Hornets six, Hawks seven, Raptors yeah. eight, Knicks nine, Cavs ten. Uh, so like if the playing tournament is like Cavs, Knicks, <laughs> Hawks, Hornets. Tibbs is totally winning the play-in tournament. There's <laughs> nothing that would be more Tibbs than winning the play-in tournament and getting the Nets or getting the Knicks to the playoffs in his first year. I mean, Tibbs got the goddamn Timberwolves to the playoffs. Of course he's he going to get the Knicks to the playoffs. So I love this. This will be one of the best storylines to watch uh, late <laughs> late in the season is Tibbs in the play-in tournament treating it like it is truly Game 7 of the NBA Finals, and that's going to be wonderful. And you mentioned the Hornets, Lamelo Ball looking real awesome. hot for those awesome. Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. So that's a lot of that's a lot of fun. Not, looking back on it, if those uh, Wendell for no, and number four for number I, as we, we we like Patrick Williams, we I think it was a good pick at number four since they took it. Trading up to get Lamelo at number two probably would have been would have looked look real nice given Kobe White struggles. But yeah. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to. Uh, think too much about that because Patrick Williams does look good. We we both like him. I think he's gonna be a good player. But Lamelo has been awesome. A lot of fun since he moved into the starting lineup. He's been incredible. And the Hornets uh, have a new. They have some excitement there, and they're up. Like you said, I think they're up to the sixth seed now. They've won a few games in a row, and that they look a lot of fun. Um, I guess final two questions here. Uh, this is from at Hey, my name is Long underscore. <laughs> What would Lori Co- Kobe Wendell with three picks and three swaps get you? Is that like a would, would that get you Bradley Beal? <laughs> I don't what know. would Low- Can you repeat that one more time? Lowry Kobe Wendell three picks three pick swaps. Who is that getting you? <laughs> <laughs> that's like your, that's basically the honestly. You could probably get Beal for that, right? Like that is just a ton of picks. Like that's yeah, the type I mean, that's of a lot. If any team was going to offer the Bulls that for Levine, it would be hard to say no to that. And I'm not someone who like wants to trade Levine, really. I would like Levine to be here long yep. term. But, I mean, that's just a huge package. Think about what the Bulls yep. got for Jimmy Butler. They got one swap. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for sure. I think that maybe you could get Beal on that. Maybe. Yeah. We know the Wizards, they don't want to trade him. He says he doesn't want to be traded. I, I feel like that's that's going to come to a head at some point where he's going to actually want out. But And we've talked, we, I think we talked last time about, I think it would be, I, I know maybe it's not the most natural fit with Beal and Levine, but I think the Bulls could put a decent package together if they really wanted to for Beal. And I mean, at this, at this point, I think you're looking at, you probably keep Zach, 
unless another team puts a huge offer on the table. You have Patrick Williams, and then everybody everybody else can be whatever. You put together a big offer for another star, whether it's Beal, whether it's that next star who wants out. Like all these other guys should be available on the table. Obviously, I don't think that's really going to happen. We'll, we'll probably maybe we see one or two of these guys move in a smaller trade. We've obviously talked about Lowry a bit already, but uh, besides Zach, I don't want to say anybody's untouchable. Nobody's truly untouchable on this roster. Zach and Patrick Williams are probably pretty close. If you get a, the right offer, you, you do it. But so I guess we will finish on Zach here. This last question was, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, like how high is the ceiling of a team having Levine as your best player if you build around him with decent vets? What do you guys think about the fact that Levine's net rating is still negative due to his terrible defense? So I kind of mentioned the, the ceiling thing. Like, if you like had like a bunch of Thad Youngs, just a bunch of nice players around Zach Levine, he's your, getting you twenty five to thirty points a game. Oh, what you probably a second round exit, maybe first round type team. Uh, like the, the the defense still is an issue. The net he brought up the net rating thing. Like the on off splits are not great. I would say with Levine's case, like I wonder how much of that is him playing with all the young guys. Like, I don't know. Like the defense is still a problem. If you look at the Kobe, the Kobe Zach splits together, the defense is just like absolutely atrocious. I mentioned they're probably the worst defensive backcourt in the league. So there's always just going to be that issue with the defense and some of that decision making with Zach. Why he can't probably be the best player in your championship team. But if you do like put like some solid vets around him, like if you were playing like Thad Young and a veteran, solid veteran point guard. Uh, and then a couple other shooters, and maybe a de- whether it's Wendell or decent de- decent defensive center, I could see a team that could be maybe top five, four, five in the East, and maybe be a second round team. I don't think any further than that. You got to get another star in there for sure. But I still, I, I think the conversation around Zach has kind of shifted, and I think a lot of people, uh, even pl- people who used to kind of be down on him, like I think. I wouldn't say we were ever like totally down on him, but just had major questions about him. Have really come to appreciate him a lot more. Uh, and while he, we know still that he, maybe not a number one on a, a final team or a championship team, he could still be a really good complimentary piece to that one, like whatever alpha dog type player. You do wonder, like if they do, if they do keep him, they they max him out, they, and the Bulls do get another like stud in there, like how that how they mesh because we do we do know Zach likes controlling the ball a lot, especially in big minute or in big moments down the stretch, like. But he seems like he's such. He seems like the, he like if there actually was another good player, like I feel like he'd figure it out. He's a hard worker. I think he's a he's a good he's a good dude. He seems like a good teammate. So like I think he'd be able to figure it out. So so yeah. yeah. What, is, what is your take on uh, that? my take on this? Is uh, so I agree with basically your ceiling on what a team with Zach Levine as its best player would look like at its peak. Uh, but the goal should not be to surround Zach Levine with solid role players. It should be to get a player better than Zach. Right. Yeah. And I think that like, while Levine for sure has been the best player on the team this year, like there are definitely times where it feels like Thad is more valuable. And I think that having a big man who he can play off of, who especially is a passing hub, the way Thad has been able to be a passing hub this year would just be really good for the team to try to replicate moving forward. Like if you're definitely going to trade Thad within the next month and a half, but Levine is a guy you're going to sign to another contract. You saw how good the Zach and Thad two man game was. And I would like to sort of try to see them replicate that with just a younger, higher upside player than Thad young in terms of someone who, uh, whose skill set could sort of be as a hub of an offense. Now, as I say this, of course, we would always talk about Wendell Carter being that guy. Yeah. He hasn't really shown it at all. So it- there have been some improvements this year. His assist percentage is up. He's up over like two assists per game, and then just the percentage I think has doubled from last year. But still, like he does, he's still like his too hesitant at times. 
Uh, sometimes he gets in his own head. Like he he would he could learn a lot. Can learn a lot from watching Thad Young. His was the ball gets to Thad, and he makes such quick decisions. He he has had some turnover issues this year, but in general, like Thad gets the ball in the middle of the court, and he's whipping the ball to the opposite corner or to find cutters under the basket. Like that kind of quick decision making has been huge for the Bulls' offense, and definitely Wendell can learn a lot from that. Yeah, that's this is kind of how I thought Wendell would be. It is yeah. when the Bulls drafted him was playing like Thad is playing right now. So. Yeah, I don't know. I w- I think that you absolutely got to try to get another player next to Zach who's better than him still. Uh, and that's even if you do sign him to a $35 million a year contract, like who cares? There's still tons of other avenues to acquire a guy yeah. who is superior to him. So yeah. I think absolutely do that. And yeah, I think that, you know, the fit of that player will be interesting. But Zach has played so much on the ball to this point in his career because he's had to. So if yep. he had someone else to play off of, like I think he could be a really dynamic off-ball player. Uh, Absolutely, we haven't seen it yet, but yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, I think he would buy into the role too. I think he'd probably like. I know he likes having the ball in his hands at the end of games, but I feel like he'd probably like having someone else really good to play with, just like so he wouldn't have to do anything. And he's never won. Like the guy's talks about, he wants to win, and like he, if you bring in another stud, like you'll win a lot more games. Like. I th- I, and he, I th- he's, I think I, really, I, in general, I like his attitude a lot. I've, I've come around a lot in him, just a lot in general. Like, he's a really likable player. I do hope that, in general, the Bulls keep him, as unless you, again, godfather offer, you can't refuse, you make the trade. But, like, uh, in general, pro Zach Levine, I hope they do find, they keep him around and they could find another stud to play, pair with him, maybe another couple studs that the Bulls can actually build a winning roster again. For right now, We'll wrap it up here. It has been ugly uh, in Bulls uh, for Bulls basketball this last week or two, and it might not get much better. I mentioned we got the Pelicans Wednesday night, Clippers Friday night, uh, and I think we got like Pacers, Hornets coming up as well. Just the rest, the rest of this first half of the season with these injuries now, like could get pretty rough. Hopefully, they can keep it competitive. Hopefully, Zach keeps doing his thing, and uh, I guess that's all we can hope for. And then hopefully, they do make some moves. Obviously, again, we got about a month and a half coming up until that trade deadline, so there is some time, but. Hopefully the rumor mill starts really heating up again. We'll see if anything happens with Lonzo Ball. But uh, we'd definitely like to see some action after the quiet offseason, especially with the season going the way it is right now. Uh, because we don't want to lose – like we don't want it to go the way the last couple of years. I mentioned how yesterday it was like the last couple of years. Like I don't want to lose interest in this bull season a third or halfway through. Like I want to be able to watch this team have something to root for for the rest of the season, whether it's new players, uh, whether it's them playing better. Whatever. I just want to not lose interest in a bull season like we've done like the last three, four years since the Jimmy trade. Uh, so hopefully that does happen. We'll see how they fare against the New Orleans Pelicans tomorrow night. Again, that's Lonzo coming. Now Lonzo coming to town. Zion will be fun to watch. Brandon Ingram is a good player. Uh, Pelicans are an interesting team. They're looking a bit better lately. So we will see. Thank you to everybody for sending in the questions to us. Always appreciate that. Uh, I think we got to almost all of them. So, again, thank you very much. Shout out, as always, to the Blue Wire Network. Go listen to all the other great pods across the Blue Wire Network. we got a bunch of great NBA pods, NFL pods. Obviously, the Super Bowl just finished, but uh, the offseason will be coming up there. And then we have a bunch of other good pods as well for us at Cast Considerations. Uh, you obviously sent in your questions for this time. You know where to find us on Twitter at Bulls underscore J at SPN underscore Ricky. Always willing to answer your questions on Twitter and always hit us up if you have any questions, concerns, ideas for us to talk about. Please do that. Uh, and obviously give us your uh, review us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're all over the place. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those good places. So for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.